So we're in the sermon series, and uh, as Evan mentioned, Jim's on vacation. He's down in Cannon Beach getting some much-needed R&R, and we'll be back. I'm going to be with you for the next couple weeks, so you're stuck with me. And uh, so he'll be back in a couple weeks, but we're going through the the study that we've been going through in the book of Philippians. And so today we're going to look at chapter 2, verses 25 through 30. So if you have your Bibles or if you've got your phones, your Bible apps, go ahead and turn there. I'll give you guys a little bit of a, a little bit of time to do that. Not much time, but a little bit of time. Because here we go. Philippians chapter 2, verse 25. It says, I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill near death. But God had mercy on him, and not uh, on uh, excuse me, <clears throat> and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy, and honor such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. So I don't know about you guys, but when I think of Paul and I think of like his missionary journeys, you know, I think of people like Timothy, who Jim talked about last week because he's in chapter two. I think about Barnabas. I think about Silas. I think about Mark. Um, I literally read this and was like, who on earth is Epaphroditus? I've never heard of him before. He's not even an, an afterthought in my mind because I had no idea who he was. So that, that was my big question was, who is this guy? And because this is the only place that he's referenced in Scripture is right here in the letter to the Philippians. So who is he? So we see at the end of verse 25, it says that he's your messenger and minister to my need. See, the, the church at Philippi had sent Epaphroditus with gifts, with resources, with money to aid Paul. They'd sent him, and if we turn really quickly, we can see a little bit more, just going forward a little bit in chapter 4. In chapter 4, verse 15, it says, And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving, except you only. So the Philippian church had entered into this partnership with Paul and, and the gospel and the work of Christ that he was in, and they were the only ones that were doing it. And they sent Epaphroditus to him. If we jump down a little bit more, it says in verse 18, it says, I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. So Epaphroditus had been sent on a mission. And he arrives with his gifts, he arrives with the resources and everything that he was bringing. And Paul's descriptor of that, you know, it's not like he showed up with a couple pennies in his pockets, but a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. This was an amazing offering that he had made, that he had brought. And I find myself, as I read this passage, there's a lot of things in here when I was looking at it, I feel like I had a lot of my modern-day misconceptions uh, were coming out as I was reading this, because I, as you read this and I go, man, you know, so Epaphroditus, he must have just decided, like, all right, I'll do this. So he packed up all the goods in his SUV, and then he filled it up with gas. He got the oil checked before his long journey, because that's what you do on long journeys, right? You get the oil checked. So your car is going to be able to make it, and then he's going to set out on his journey. 
That's not the type of journey, right, that Epaphroditus would have been going on. He probably wouldn't have been traveling alone. He would have been traveling in a caravan. It would have been slow. It would have been long. It would have been arduous. It would have been perilous. And what kind of man signs up to go on such a trip? To step away from his livelihood, to step away from who knows if he has family or anybody else in his life. Who does that? Who does that? Apparently, Epaphroditus does. And at some point along the journey, he took ill. And it says that he took ill in verse 27, that he was near death. Indeed, he was ill, near death. And this is where, like, I hear that and I hear illness. And same thing I go, you know, when you hear when someone's sick, uh, most of the times you kind of think like, you know, in our society there's a pretty good recovery rate for illness. And when we hear illness, for the readers that would have read it at the time, they wouldn't have heard illness like we hear illness. They, they would have heard illness as if it were hearing cancer or stage four or inoperable when they had heard that Epaphroditus was ill, that he was taken ill. We don't know what his illness was. We don't know did he, if he got it on his journey on the way over to, to get to Paul, if it happened while he was there. We don't know if it was uh, some sort of condition that he had or if it was a virus, a bacteria. We have no clue. But he took ill. Another thing that I was thinking of here, too, is he's on his way to Paul uh, in prison, to aid Paul in prison. Uh, I don't know when's the last time anyone visited someone in prison today. Um, the last time I did it, it was, you know, pre-COVID. But even then, like, you know, you could set up, like, like video calls to talk with them. You know, they're provided, you know, three square meals a day. You know, they're obviously in prison. But there's some things that they can do. But for Paul in prison in this time, where if you got thrown in prison, it was not the jailer's responsibility to provide for your needs. So if you got thrown in jail, if you got thrown in prison, placed under house arrest, whatever it looked like at the time, you had to be able to provide for your own needs. And if you couldn't, guess what? You're going to starve. You're going to die in prison. They had to provide for his own needs. And it says in verse 27 that God had mercy. That God had mercy on him, not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. God had mercy on him. This, this recovery that he had from his illness, it was amazing. It was miraculous. His condition was so bad that it was a miraculous healing. And aside from all these circumstances, while he's there, Epaphroditus is doing the work of Christ. If you look in verse 30. It says, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. And that's where the first time I read this, it sounded a little rude almost to me on Paul's sake, where I go, man, you know, he's, he's there to complete what was lacking in your service to me. That seems a little harsh, but looking at it, I think it, Paul's wording and what he's getting at is that Epaphroditus has completed your service to me. In your absence, you're not able to be there. Not everyone was able to go on the trip, but Epaphroditus has completed the work that you sent him on. He's completed it. And can you imagine it, just being in Paul's shoes for a minute? You're in prison. Maybe supplies are getting low. He had just been writing in the letter earlier that, you know, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Death was on his mind. He was thinking about it. 
supplies are running low. Who, who knows what his situation is like? He's learned to be content in all circumstances when he has little and when he has plenty. And then Epaphroditus shows up. A friend, a brother from the church in Philippi with all the gifts that he has for him. All that they have, that they have stored up and gathered to give to him as a gift. And uh, bringing, it said that he was their messenger, bringing, bringing messages from people that he knew in Philippi. Maybe even some people that he, he didn't know. Makes me think of our, like our involvement with the backpacks program. And when we write letters and sign cards to, to students we've never met, to receive those things. And then not just to support him in those things uh, with the material needs in prison, but also to support him in still doing the work of Christ from being in prison. Whether that's writing letters to other churches or sharing the gospel with the jailers or anybody else that they could come in contact with. And this, this is one of the things that kind of made me feel a little bit guilty as I was preparing this this week as I go, Paul is still advancing the gospel while he's in jail. How am I still advancing the gospel in quarantine? How am I still advancing it? Am I still advancing it? And in last week's sermon, Jim uh, talked about Timothy. We did. And Timothy, uh, Jim did a really good job. If you, have, if you missed it or didn't hear it, you can, you can find it at mylpcoli.com. You can find the podcast. You can find it on Facebook. Search for it. Find it. Listen to it. And he was talking about Timothy, and, and Jim did a really good job of kind of piecing together that through Scripture we can see, like, Timothy's maturation in all of Paul's letters and his descriptors of Timothy as they go along. And just the importance of, you know, raising up young people in our church. The importance of raising up young people. And we see Timothy go through this. And here we have Epaphroditus, who apparently was a very common name back in the day, because it's a derivative of Epaphrodite, which was a Greek goddess. So it might give us a little bit of a glimpse as to his background, because I don't know how many, you know, like, you know, at the time would have been Hebrews, would have named their children after Greek goddesses. Probably not. So he had a different upbringing than Timothy. He definitely had a different upbringing than Paul, who we're going to look at, that was a a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews. You know, he had a different upbringing. He had a different upbringing. But here in this one letter, Paul uses all those descriptors that he used of Timothy and more to describe Epaphroditus. He calls him my fellow brother, or my brother, my fellow worker, in verse 25. My fellow soldier. As he talks about him as his brother, it's, you know, that kind of, almost a generic term you could use for just, you know, brothers and sisters in the faith, for those that are members of God's family, for those that have accepted his grace and God's mercy, and we place our faith, hope, and trust in him, that we have the right to be called sons and daughters of God. So he's his brother. He knows this. He's seen this. He says, my fellow worker. And that's where I go, Epaphroditus is definitely, to sign up on a trip, to travel as far as he did, and even face illness and death. He was someone that was driven by mission. He was driven by purpose. He had placed his faith into action. As James tells us, you know, our faith without works is dead. 
He places faith into action. He was there, and Paul's seen this. He's worked beside him. He's been a brother. He says he's my fellow soldier. My fellow soldier. They've been in the trenches together. They, Epaphroditus is, he's combat tested. And it just makes me think of when Paul talks about the armor of God, when he's referring to soldier. If you turn back into Ephesians chapter 6, it's literally on my Bible just like one page turned back. Not too far. But you look at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13. Oh, man, the wind. I like the wind right now, though, because it's hot. The wind is nice. The wind is nice. Lord, thank you for the wind. It says in chapter 6, verse 13, Therefore take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, in all circumstances take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given uh, to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Paul has seen these things. He's seen these things firsthand. He's seen these things firsthand in Epaphroditus' life and, and he's, he's sending him back and wants them to receive him with pure joy. And I was just thinking about this, the, the, the experience of receiving like missionaries back. You know, if it's something that you've experienced personally. I, uh, I was thinking about just like with, here at LifePoint since we've been here, just the opportunities that we've had with uh, the Hastings and Ian Smith and Ashley Seiler and the Willis family. That joy of them returning from the mission that they were sent out on and hearing about the mission that's still going on. And there's part of me, as I, as I read this and as I listen to this, I go, there's part of me that almost sounds like Paul wants to get rid of Epaphroditus. I don't know if anyone else, like if you've been reading this throughout the week or um, first hearing it, you kind of felt the same way. Because it almost feels like there's this vibe where like Paul's like his supervisor and Epaphroditus is a little injury prone and he's just trying to get him out of the way. Like we're doing some dangerous work today, so I'm just going to send you home. Thank you for the gifts, but you, you know, you can go. And that's where... I, I think that's not true. That's not what Paul's wanting to do. I think where it falls is where he says that I will be less anxious. Because he talks about, you know, he wants to send them home so that your joy will be made complete and that, you know, the Lord has spared me that he didn't pass away because I didn't want sorrow upon sorrow. You know, I think that was Paul referring to the grief of the possibility of Epaphroditus dying. Like, I don't know if I could handle that. I'm in prison right now. I have all these other things going on. And your messenger that you send had these amazing gifts and all these things. And then he died. I don't think I can handle that. But then he says in verse 28, I am more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. That I may be less anxious and less sorrowful. And that's where I was just like, was Paul, 
anxious like that, really that anxious to get rid of him because he was worried about him dying. Uh, it made me think of stories about Paul, like I don't know if you're familiar with in Acts chapter 20, and uh, the poor man, uh, <laughs> uh, hold on, Eutychus, I believe I, I, I always miss, I butcher names so often, but he's the guy that fell asleep. I don't know if you're familiar with the story. Paul was like talking too long, and he fell asleep at the window, and he fell out of the three-story window and died. And Paul went down and prayed for him, and he came back to life, and like they went back just continuing on business. And that's where I go, I don't think this anxiousness that it's referring here is referring to an anxiousness about his safety. I think it's an anxiousness that Paul is concerned that he's having with Epaphroditus that he will be in the place where he will be the most effective in ministry, where he will be the most effective for the work of Christ. He's seen the qualities of God exhibited in his life. And pretty certain the, chance in, uh, the church in Philippi had seen the same things, and that's why he was chosen to be the one that they sent on this mission. He's the one that was chosen. And I was thinking about this for, just, for us at LifePoint. We want to be a, a church, we want to be a people that, where we love God. We love people. We know the Scriptures that we live our lives on mission, we live our lives on purpose, we have an eternal mindset to things, and we're focused on things that are going to have eternal impacts. And this mission and this purpose, you know, it gives purpose to all our life. It gives us purpose in the, in the day-to-day, in the ho-hum drum of life as we know it. That there can be purpose beyond, uh, I'm a custodian, I, I work here locally in the school district, my life is more than being a custodian. My life is more than my job description. My life is more than any other descriptors that you can be because the purpose that God has given me to love people, to love him. And that's one of those things where we want to be a church that are, is able to help you and foster your relationship with God and your love for people and to unleash you where your passions are. Because it said that Paul was... Uh, excuse me, that Epaphroditus was longing. He was longing to return home. He was longing to return home to the people that he knew. So here Paul has this, this godly man that's here to serve him, and he's in need. Like, he's got Timothy, he's got some other people. But what Epaphroditus brought was great. But what Paul identified quickly was that this is a man of God that has longing for these people in Philippi. He needs to be in Philippi. We need to get him going there. We need to get him going there. And I was thinking about that for us. Like, what do we long for? What are we passionate about? Because we can be passionate about different things. We can be passionate about serving with children that are over playing in the tent, right? That sounds exciting. Maybe next week I'll go play in the tent. You know? For young people. For old, uh, okay, we'll just we'll leave it at people, right? We got young people and people, you know? Or maybe it's for, for people that are recovering from alcoholism or addiction, or from teenage mothers, or widows, or orphans, or homeless. I was thinking about it in the same light where, like, with our children here, it's like we want them to do physical activities, right? And sometimes you might not know necessarily, like, well, I don't, I don't necessarily have a passion about something specifically. And I'd say that we need to help you find it. And with, with our kids, like, we want them to be active. We want them to be running around, you know, especially nowadays more than we don't want you sitting around the house. We want to be getting some exercise, you know. So it's like, well, how do we find out what they like? 
You sign them up for soccer. You try that, and you sign up for baseball or swimming, and you go through a whole host of physical activities. And that's one of those things, I don't care which one they choose, because they're still going to be getting the physical activity. There are a lot of options and a lot of possibilities for serving in passionate ways to different groups of people, to get different mindsets. It just... There's, there's loads of options, and if you don't know or don't, we can help you find it. Evan mentioned on the connection card, just there's ways to get connected. There's ways you can find out what's next, like what's your next step at LifePoint. And we want to help you find that. What is your next step? What are you passionate about? And there's going to be opportunities coming up this next year, very unique opportunities in the times that we live in. So we get an opportunity to try new things. And... The last thing that I just wanted to bring and the last thing that I wanted to share as I was going through this is that Paul, I, th- I think it was intentional. I don't think it was unintentional. Is that in his sending of Epaphroditus home, he sent him with probably one of the greatest sermon illustrations that Epaphroditus would ever have. Because here he's returning home. The word, he's anxious, right? He's worried because... The church back in Philippi, his brothers and sisters in the Lord, his family, whoever he had back home, had received word that he had taken ill. Chances are they would have thought that he was already dead by the time the message arrived. It wasn't instantaneous like we have today in communication. And so here he'd get to return home. And literally, people would see him and view him And it would be as if a dead man had came back to life. A dead man had returned to him. Someone that was dead is now alive. And when he tells them the story, and it says, and Paul writes, and Paul's letter arrives in verse 27, that this dead man is now alive by God's mercy. By God's mercy. It's the God that we serve. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for today. Father, I thank you that, you that you are the God of the living, you're not the God of the dead. Father, and that you are the one that is able to transform our lives. Father, that you are the, the, the meaning to life, that you are life, that you are the purpose. Father, I ask that you would help us be, uh, myself included, individuals that live our lives, Father, that with a love and a passion for you and a love and a passion for people. Father, that we would be uh, desiring to know your words, that we would be desiring to grow closer to you. And Father, that we, would, that we would put our faith into action. Even amidst this time where it seems like we're, 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 we're isolated, we're alone, Father, there are many, many opportunities. Help us to see them. Help us to pursue them. Bring them to light to our eyes and help us to pursue them. And Father, I ask that you'd be with us this week as we go about our weeks as as school is starting back up and uh, new elements to life are are coming into play. And Father, I just ask that you'd be with with all the young people uh, as they're going back to school and and learning in a new way. And Father, uh, we give you all the other things that are, are weighing on our hearts that we're thinking about, that we're that we're worried about, Father, we lay them, we lay them at your feet. And Father, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.